Ramble. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Bada bing, bada boom. Have you ever installed one of those um, baby monitor apps on your phone or your iPad before? I hear some people use it when their baby falls asleep in maybe another room where they don't have their normal sleeping space, their normal baby monitor set up. So they set it up and the iPad or an iPhone connects to another device and you can basically see in real time. You can listen in real time. So you can watch your baby sleep, see if they wake up in the middle of the night. It's a quick and easy fix and it's essentially live streaming from one device to another. Now, a famous TikTok star, and he had almost a million followers on TikTok, which is huge, but his engagement was incredibly high, like meaning that some of his most famous videos were getting 10 to 20 million views per video. So this guy is famous. I mean, chances are, if you're on TikTok, if you're on YouTube watching the, um, he was featured on a bunch of big YouTubers reacting to funny TikTok videos. He's, yeah, he was everywhere. His name on TikTok was Jin Kid, aka Ali. Now, he had installed this type of app on his five year old daughter's iPad, and he was at a hotel when the app buzzed. He opens up his phone. Now, his daughter's supposed to be at school, so it it must mean that someone else is in the house or someone else is making noise in the family home. It's like, oh, sound was detected. So he picks up his phone and he starts listening to the app. He puts the phone up to his ear and he's trying to hear the conversation. It sounds like there are two people talking, but they're not in the room where the iPad is. So Mm. he's straining to listen. Now, he could clearly make out the sound of the voices. So one he knew to be his soon-to-be ex-wife. I mean, that made sense. This was her home, you know? Soon-to-be ex-wife? Yeah, they're in the process of a divorce. Oh, okay, okay. Which made sense because the daughter's iPad is in the house that the soon-to-be ex-wife is living in, right? Mm-hmm. But was that a man's voice? Ali slammed his fist on the hotel table. He was pissed, emotional, fuming. Right off the bat, he said to himself, Oh my God, I just caught her. I just caught her. He felt the rage of someone who had just caught their significant other cheating on them. But the thing is, Ali and his wife Anna were in the process of divorcing. They were separated. They weren't even living together. He had been kicked out of the family home. They were broken up. But he did not understand why, why she would give up the TikTok fame, why she wanted to stop making videos with him when they were getting millions of views. He did not realize that all of that abuse that he was giving to her behind the camera was pushing her away. That did not stop him from planting this app on their daughter's iPad. He actually slipped it under his ex-wife's bed and tried to listen to every little thing that she said or did. He was enraged. Wow. 
So he's like spying on her. Yeah. He grabs his keys, hops into his car. And this is taking place in San Diego, by the way. He could hear his ex-wife and he's like listening on the phone while he's driving past the speed limit. And there's another man and they're giggling and they're conversing and he's he's fuming. He said that in the car on the way there, he's screaming to nobody in particular. Don't do it, Anna. Don't sleep with him. Don't do it. And then he said he heard his worst nightmare. Through the phone. R&B music. And he oh. felt like that could only mean one thing. He said that he almost had tears flowing out of his eyes. He parked his car, rushed into the apartment that he once shared with Anna and their daughter. And by the time that he left, two people would be dead. He would be driving down the highway with his five-year-old daughter and a loaded gun in the car. This is the viral case of the TikTok star that is on trial for a double homicide. As always, full show notes are available at RottenMinglePodcast.com. Today's case does involve a lot of um, talk about domestic violence. If that is something that cuts a little too deep, then turn this episode off, run a bath, watch a comedy show, eat some yummy food, and I will see you in the next episode. Or if this is something that you're currently dealing with, just know that there is help available. I'm going to leave those all in the notes, but for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, please call 800-799-7233 or head over to thehotline.org. But a big note, a cautionary note, all of those are linked. If you make any calls or go to any website, clear it from your call log, clear it from your browser history. So with that being said, let's get into the case. Ollie told himself that he could get his wife back. He was a famous TikTok star with almost a million followers, you know? There was nothing that he couldn't get. That sounds so cliche. Like, it sounds like a caricature of an influencer on one of these SNL skits. But that's genuinely how this guy felt. He would tell all of his buddies that his wife was leaving him, but it's fine because he's going to get her back. He would mention that technically he could move on too. He said, you know, I could have anyone that I want. Models, celebrities, I could have them all. But I want Anna. I want my wife. Because he has TikTok followers? Yes. Uh, No, genuinely, this guy would bring out a massive Ziploc baggie of cocaine in public, like at a public restaurant. And his friends would be freaking out, like, put the baggie of cocaine away. What are you doing? Like, we're not all trying to get arrested right now. No one's going to believe you that that's powdered sugar. And he's like, it's okay, guys. I'm Jin Kid. (laughs) I have followers. Yeah. I mean, I've never met an influencer like that in all my years. This is insane. He's literally the caricature of an influencer. He would sit in his motel room after being kicked out of the family home and his cousin Louis was there. And his cousin Louis is trying to give him some support through the separation. And that night, Ollie got so drunk and he's showing his cousin pictures of his wife and he's pointing at the screen and he's screaming, my wife, my beautiful wife, I'm not giving her up to no man. I don't want no man being around my child. He did not understand that she does not want to be with him. Sure, he's famous. Sure, he's making money. But he felt like pushing her to the ground, abusing her, hitting her, yelling at her, being toxic, trying to control her, humiliating her on live streams, screaming at her, threatening her citizenship status. He thought that was just part of what came with being married to a star, you know? Because they were couple goals. They were couple goals on TikTok. They had this relatability factor to them. So Ollie would kind of play this protective boyfriend role, the jealous boyfriend role in these videos. And 
originally in the videos, it does come off endearing. Like I, I watched a few and I tried my best to be like, okay, don't let hindsight be 2020. Just look at it objectively. What would I think if I saw this on my FYP? It's pretty chill. So for example, I mean, she's at the store and she's with one of her guy friends. She's like, hey, I want you to meet my boyfriend. So she FaceTimes Ali and Ali's on the phone and he's like, hey, babe, you look beautiful today. I love you so much. And then she passes the phone to the guy and he's like, hey, what's up? And then she ends up stepping away. And once he's on FaceTime alone with this male friend, he's saying, if you touch my girlfriend, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he's like whipping out a gun. Whoa, okay. The gun whoa, part whoa. is a little weird. But when you go down Ali's page, that wasn't necessarily him. He was known on TikTok for role-playing Scarface, uh, Tony Montana. Okay. So he would wear the outfit. He would do the hair. He would have the accent. So I guess it was more um, digestible for people right, right, versus right, okay. if it was so just a regular. So it's a, a skit and they're, they're trying to pretend. Okay. Exactly. It's like a parody. It's a character that he plays into, right? Okay. But um, yeah, I would never imagine that he would be in prison for a double homicide. So in regards to their social media presence, I think that they were just having fun with it. So is that like most of the content they post? Yes. Like pranks so, and stuff? Skits? Oh, he, he went through phases. Okay. So he actually got big. Do you know Skyrim? No. Skyrim is like one of those games. Now imagine, I think this one was more mainstream, but it's no, like no. a fantasy land. Not a fantasy oh, land, okay, but more of like okay. one of those fantasy warrior type games, I think. Walk weird. They have they have side quests and stuff like that. Okay. So his whole thing was pretending to be the NPCs NPC. on these games. Like, you know, the GTA ones where yes. you have them walking all weird and they keep walking into the walls. He was role playing that and people thought it was hilarious, especially gamers. They were like, I love this. No one's making videos like this. So he did all the Skyrim videos, like these game niched parody videos, and they blew up. Eventually, he starts going into these movie character roles. So he starts cosplaying and parodying Tony Montana from Scarface, John Wick from the John Wick series, and oddly, Takashi69. I don't know why. Okay, that's like a really random one. But he would parody like POV, Tony Montana's tries to order Chipotle. So like okay. these really tough, big, bad movie characters and they're just like doing normal everyday stuff. That was his whole TikTok. And then eventually, once that blew up, he started posting his own personal stuff. So like videos with Anna about their relationship, about their child. But people think that um, Ali Abulaban might have taken his social media career like a a bit too seriously. Maybe he was too much into the John Wick, Tony Montana type of characters. Maybe he felt like that was his real... If you guys... Have you seen Scarface? Maybe, a long time ago. Okay, just to give you a rundown, Tony Montana is the star of Scarface. He is also played by Al Pacino, like the goat. And Tony Montana is a pretty bad person. Like, if you want to look at it simply, he is the main character of the movie, but he's not a hero. He's a villain. Like, I kid you not, when you Google what is Tony Montana known for, the first Google result is he's known for violence, cocaine, and the final scene where he waves around an assault rifle and goes, say hello to my little friend. Those are the three things that Tony Montana is known for. And this is the character that Ali is role-playing nonstop, doing skits, parodies, which nothing is wrong with that. It's pretty normal on social media. But he starts kind of adapting this personality in real life, which is absurd if you really think about it, because it's not like he played in the movie. I would imagine if you were the movie character, it's a bit different. Maybe Al Pacino can't get out of the, the character. That makes more sense. Mm -hmm. You're just doing skits on social media. What's going on? 
But that is not the guy that Anna had fallen in love with. A lot of people make this case out to be like, oh, you don't 100% know what's going on social media. Social media is all fake because on social media, they're portrayed as this loving couple goals. But in reality, they're in a toxic relationship. I do think there is some of that, but I just think that he was a violent, aggressive, evil, despicable human being. I don't think social media is why he did what he did, but it probably pushed them apart and that made him furious. So the guy that Anna knew was just someone trying to build a family. He was just someone that was trying to build a life with her. He had this passion for acting. He starts making these TikTok skits. It blows up. It's paying some bills. And it almost feels like Anna's like, okay, well, this guy is just trying to support the family and he's enjoying what he's doing. It starts like that. But slowly with the fame and money, he starts turning into somebody else. Anna was born in 1993. Some sources say that she was born in the Philippines. Others say it was in Japan or the U.S. I feel like it's probably not in the U.S. though because it's kind of pertinent later. There's like a whole citizenship debate. But most of her family are in the Philippines. She had a science degree from the Technological University of the Philippines, which is a very big deal and it's very indicative of how intelligent she was. So she is Filipino? Yes. Okay. And she had a master's degree as well. So there's not too much that you can find about her online, which is interesting because they're both technically social media personalities. But I really think for Anna, social media was just her sharing bits and pieces of her life. It was very natural for her. She doesn't strike me as the type of person that would do things for views. Mm -hmm. She still had this separation of like, that's online. This is like real life, right? She just wanted to show people her having fun. That's it. She had no intentions of turning it into like a full-blown career, really. She focused on her school, eventually moves to Okinawa, Japan. She was a military kid, so she travels around a lot. Her dad is in the military, and they were based in Japan. And it's said that she was really, really, really close with her whole family. She kept most of her family life private, but even then, when she would post videos, she was so into celebrating people's birthdays. She put in so much effort into planning these get-togethers. She put so much detail and all this energy into just being there for her family members. And you know, like, you can call someone kind. You can be like, oh, she's nice. She's compassionate. But I always find it very interesting when someone is described as having a healing soul. Like, when people use the word soul to describe someone, I always feel like it's a, it's a different type of feeling. That's that how she's described? Yeah, as a healing soul. I feel like my picture of someone like that is someone that... You know, the little TikToks of like, oh, someone I would feel comfortable wearing a bikini around, like someone that wouldn't judge me, someone that makes you feel safe and like happy. That's kind of what I think it is. Maybe she has the same effect of being one with nature, like those people that feel like you just took a walk in the woods when you hang out with them. They just feel refreshing. So she ends up meeting Ali in Japan. Ali was serving in the U.S. military when he met with Anna, and the two developed this friendship. They both had these really, like, fun, outgoing personalities. They were both very funny. They loved to crack jokes. And I think that initially the relationship was based off of that. The fact that neither of them took themselves too seriously or took the relationship too seriously. It was just, like, a really good time. Now, Ali was said to have been kind of obsessed with his new girlfriend, though. Like, not in the creepy way. Just in his eyes, I mean, really anybody's eyes, Anna is beautiful, intelligent, highly capable, loving, dedicated to her family. Like, what is there not to love? So for a little while, things are really good. Until they're not good. Ollie ends up getting less than honorably discharged from the military. 
It's speculated that he got into a physical fight at the bar in Okinawa, and allegedly he had an obsession with guns. This guy's in the Air Force, by the way. He's got an obsession with guns, and he brings his gun into the bar. He gets super drunk and starts a physical fight with Anna. It said that he was pushing and fighting Anna, and anyone that tried to get in his way, he would start pushing and fighting them. What? So the military was like, yeah, okay. You're like a loose cannon. We're going to discharge you less than honorably. And now, since there's really nothing holding these two back in Japan, they decide that they're going to move to the U.S. and work on building a life for themselves. They first stop in Virginia. That's where Ali's family is now. And this is kind of um around the time that Anna starts introducing Ali to all of her friends. And immediately, they're getting the ick. They don't like this guy. But they particularly don't have like a strong reasoning. And I think that this is what happens in most relationships that you see that are abusive and or toxic. So to close family members and friends, you don't know that it's abusive. You don't know that it's toxic. There's just like something about him. But you don't know what to say because your friend is so in love. So like, what can you say? Oh, it's just my gut. Like, you sound weird. You sound like you're not supporting her. So they just kind of, um, I don't know. It was just weird. It resulted in this frustrating situation for everyone. Anna's friends were frustrated because they had been in her life way longer than this guy had. Like, Anna has friends from childhood. I'm talking like young, since they were like middle school kids. One of her childhood friends, Cassie, did not like Ali because the minute that they start dating, he acted like he was the most important person in Anna's life. It's almost as if he hated the idea that she had a whole life before him. One time Cassie called Anna and she remembered Ali picked up the phone and it was so strange because they just started dating. So like, why are you picking up her phone, first of all? But even then, okay, fine. Maybe she's in the shower or something. Like, let me know. But he's like, hello? Hello? Um, this is Anna's phone, right? Can I talk to Anna? What are you calling her about? Uh, just want to talk to her. Okay, well, you can just tell me. Like, he's very much like, why do you need to talk to her? Just tell me, Would you get out of here. Like, you don't need to be calling her right now. It's not even in the middle of the night. It was just really weird. Cassie felt like, what the hell? Like, this is my friend before she was your girlfriend. I've known her for almost 15 freaking years. Who are you to pick up her phone and ask me who I am and why I'm calling? Yeah. Again, this isn't really something that you can say to your friend. You can't necessarily use that as an example because there's so many ways of being like, oh, well, I was in the restroom. So I guess he didn't want you to your call to go unanswered. You can't be like, oh, my God, you got to break up with him because he picked up the phone. So it's a strange incident, but they couldn't do anything about it. And... Anna started getting very serious about this relationship. She started confiding in her friends that she could see herself marrying this guy. And again, they just kind of, it's a tricky situation. They just supported her. They just wanted her to be happy. And they probably thought to themselves, I think we're going to hate anyone Anna brings because she's literally so good that no guy is ever really going to be good enough. So maybe we're just like really picky as friends. We're just protective. I think that's what they were trying to tell themselves. And maybe they just don't know him that well yet, right? Let's talk about Ali. Ali's parents immigrated from Palestine to Staten Island, where he was born. And later they moved to Virginia. But ever since Ali was young, it said that he was confident that he was going to be a star one day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
He would watch movies. He would fantasize about being in the movies. So you know when you're young, you fantasize about being movie characters. Like I wanted to be Hannah Montana so bad. But this guy was like, I want to be Miley Cyrus playing Hannah Montana. I want to be a star. Like I literally want to be a movie actor, actress. I want the fame. I want the whole press tour. I want the auditions. I want people clapping at me. I want the movie premieres. I want the red carpets. That's what he wanted. He fantasized about that as a kid. And when he's 14, he joins a band. I believe he was a lead singer, but nothing really came out of that one. Okay. And it wasn't until he moved back to Virginia with Anna from Japan that he really starts to take his social media career very seriously. And like I said, you've probably stumbled upon his videos. I mean, he has hundreds of millions of views across his platforms. And things start kind of moving fast. He ends up marrying Anna. They have a daughter together. And they start sharing bits and pieces of this all over social media. They start getting personal on social media. Or at least Ali does. And in 2021, the couple decide to move from Virginia to San Diego. It felt like a mutually perfect decision for both of them. So Ali's cousin, Louie, from the beginning of the story, he had just moved to San Diego and he loved it. He's like, you got to come to Southern California. It's crazy out here. It's like beachy town vibes every single day. It's beautiful. Now, Anna, she had a ton of friends in San Diego. So both of them were like, okay, this is new. This is closer to the industry scene and we have a lot of support there. Let's go out there. Let's have a blast. Both of them were very excited to start this chapter in their lives. They would even post videos like TikToks of them dancing and the caption would say, when your relationship is drama free. You can see that Anna looks genuinely happy in a lot of them. She would talk on Instagram about how much she loved Ali and how he was a great father, how she could never find another person like him. But the move from Virginia to San Diego changed everything. When I was in high school, I had this ritual every day after coming home from school. I would grab a salty snack, sit down, watch my favorite mystery drama on TV. And recently I discovered the adult version of that, which at the end of the workday, I grab salt and vinegar chips, snuggle up on the couch, and I play June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden objects mystery game that makes me feel like I'm living inside of a mystery TV show that is very immersive. You play as Detective June Parker, and you just found out that your sister and husband were murdered. This is a fictional story. So you fly from London to New York to investigate, but the clues are just not adding up. So you get to go through these series of scenes from the mansion living room to a lavish garden to a 1920s style New York cafe. In each room, you have to find hidden objects that help you solve the mystery of your sister's death. And in the meantime, a whole lot of unexpected, just scandalous twists are going to happen. There's family secrets, danger, there's romance. I love traveling all over the world with June. Currently, I'm exploring Paris in the 1920s because the game is set in the 1920s it just has the most aesthetic game design ever and it's so cozy whenever i need a break from the suspense i can pause the story and head over to my private island yeah they give you a private island and you get to customize it however you want for you i love cottage core mixed with that old money vibe with a huge mansion and a luxurious garden and even like this train rail june's journey is the best way to unwind at the end of a long day or just to take a break in the middle of the day when i feel overwhelmed i can escape all of my problems and turn into detective june discover your inner detective when you download june's journey for free today on ios and android
I love meal deliveries. In fact, I love everything about having my meals delivered straight to my doorstep, except the delivery fees. That's why I signed up for the Dash Pass, an exclusive membership from DoorDash that lets you make an unlimited amount of fee-free orders for eligible orders. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, the Dash Pass can get you $0 deliveries and lower service fees on eligible orders. That means you can easily save money at your favorite restaurants and grocery stores the dash pass practically pays for itself in two orders on average the math is mathing plus dash pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items and all of this for only $9.99 a month open the door to zero dollar delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else sign up for dash pass today only on doordash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member subject to change terms apply Louis, Ollie's cousin, was there to witness all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly. He said that he loved his cousin Ollie. But after they moved, Ollie just seemed, just seemed so unstable. He said that he would have these incredible mood swings, just hot, cold, insane. And then slowly that escalated into this incredibly abusive behavior. Louis mentioned that when they first moved, they had this big social circle that was already waiting to welcome them in because remember, all of Anna's friends are there. So, mm-hmm. of course, I mean, a lot of Anna's friends are married. They have husbands. They have boyfriends. And Ali is just an extension, and it's going to be this one big happy family. And I'm sure that they were going to be very, very welcoming, right? Louis hints that something happened, that Ali had done something that kind of alienated him from Anna's already established group. So he wasn't necessarily outcasted, but I guess he was just uncomfortable when he was around. Maybe Anna felt uncomfortable. Ollie didn't like it. It was just, um, so more often than not, Anna would go out alone without Ollie. And that makes it seem like she's constantly going out. That is not the case. Anna went out once in a while. She was more present in her daughter's life, practically raising her daughter by herself. Ollie was so focused on his career and micromanaging everything that everybody did. I mean, literally everything. He constantly accused Anna for abandoning him to go party with her friends. People just like hate it when moms have lives, okay? I think it's healthier. But let's just say Anna never put her friends or going out above her own child. Like she did everything for that baby. And once in a while when she did go out for a birthday, a special occasion, or she had a babysitter, she would make sure that her child was okay with her, looked out for, and she would just let out some steam once in a while. Later, Ollie would go and accuse and try to paint her into this party monster, like a party maniac character. And her friends hated it. Her friends knew what was going on too, because the minute that Anna would step out of the house, her phone would be blowing up. On the way to the bar or the venue, nonstop calling, nonstop texting. When she gets there, she's like half there, half not. And, you know, the texting isn't even like a fun, flirtatious texting where he's like, oh my God, can't wait for you to get home. It's very much, she looks stressed. Do you know when friends like fight, but they're out, but they're like texting and fighting with their partners? That's kind of the vibe every single time. It's like she's working customer service, fielding his calls every time she goes out. He could not leave her alone for two seconds. Now, remember Cassie, Anna's friend? She said it was a lot. Like, just the obsession with control, the aggression, and it just only grew worse, oddly, as Ollie's fame grew. Cassie said, he's a bad guy. There's nothing good about him. He's selfish. He's all about the high life. He wants to be on his high horse. He talks over people, interrupts people. I mean, he would joke around because he carries a gun on him. He carries a gun on him wherever he goes. He's over here like, hey, let's shoot up. 
You want to drive around and shoot up the place? And we're all like, what? No. And he's like, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Take a joke. And we're like, that's not a joke, Ali. We don't joke like that. Yeah. What's going on? I'm s- like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that already tells me enough that her friend group obviously was not comfortable when he was around. Because yeah. it's just very unhinged. It's very scary. I also don't wouldn't want to hang out with someone who carries around a loaded gun illegally. Like, I wouldn't feel safe around that person. I mean, he just really wasn't a nice person. He was very, very arrogant. It's said that Ali would interrupt people, never apologize. He just genuinely thought that whatever he had to say was so much more important. But more than that, so much more fascinating than whoever else was already talking. You could be talking about how last week your daughter was in the ER and your husband had... Hey, do you follow me on Instagram? Excuse me? <laughs> like, literally in the middle of... I'm verified. Be honest. You knew who I was before we met. Wow. They said that all he did was talk about how many views he had, his follower count, how he was verified, which brands reached out to him. He would straight up do intros for himself. Like, you know when um, someone introduces someone else onto the stage? (laughs) You say really great things about them, you know, before they give a speech or something. This guy went around and did it for himself. He would be like, hi, I'm Ali. I'm the Internet's Tony Montana and Skyrim in real life. Okay, like, how do you even respond to something like that? Just, okay, cool. Wow. (laughs) Psych note, you know how people leave funny comments, like on videos where it really, like the energy doesn't match, and it's just funny, and people say it casually. They would write things like, thank you for doing God's work. It's funny, it's not serious, you know? How is making a skit God's work? Ollie took it pretty fucking serious. He genuinely thought that he was doing God's work. He felt like he was the only one on the internet that could make people laugh, that could make people feel good. (laughs) Yeah. This guy was so full of himself, he posted a teaser that a fan had made of him, a Scarface. And he was the new Tony Montana, which is fine, okay? We love showing appreciation. A fan made the edit. I like it. But he freaking captioned it, Montana, a Scarface prequel film. This is an audio trailer and movie concept that I put together to give you all a small glimpse of my vision and desire to give the world a new Scarface story. He genuinely thought that he was going to be the next Al Pacino. Like, he genuinely thought this. He posted this a week, one week, before he killed two people. It just seemed like he was really hooked on the power and attention that he felt that fame was giving him. He wanted to be special compared to others. And obviously, the guy is going through a lot. He has stuff going on with him. Maybe he's so incredibly insecure. Maybe he has an inferiority complex. But I just think it's wild that a full-grown man is out here doing this, introducing himself like that. He would say things like, I'm Jin Kid. I can do whatever I want. And not ironically. Yeah, not in like a sarcastic, funny way. Not in a self-deprecating, let's make fun of influencers way, like genuinely. What does that mean? I can do whatever I want. Like I'm an influ- I'm famous. I can do whatever I want. It's like oh. saying I'm Justin Bieber. I can do whatever I want. But he's not Justin Bieber. I imagine that that did not go over well with Anna in their relationship. Anna does not strike me as someone that would take this emotion with fame in fact she seems like the type to be upset if anyone thought like this or behaved like this and now it's her husband 
So Ollie starts spiraling in San Diego. He was being pushed out of Anna's social circle for very good reason. And he felt like he was losing control over his wife. She had a support system. She had people to comfort her if they got into a fight. She was no longer isolated and alone. And he wanted her all to himself. He wanted her to need him, to depend on him. But she's a strong individual who has her own life. And he just could not handle it. He truly could not wrap his head around the fact that someone would rather spend time with nice, non-famous people versus him, famous Jin Kid Ali. The internet's real-life Skyrim. He could not fathom it. So how does he respond to this shift in their relationship? Does he voice it out loud like, Hey babe, I'm feeling a bit insecure in this relationship. Here's how I feel. Does he try to win back her friends or win back Anna? No, he starts playing with loaded guns. So that gun that he would carry everywhere with him, I mean, so irresponsible, so dangerous, so illegal. I don't even think we have to go further into that. But he would even let his five-year-old daughter hold the gun. Most of the time it was unloaded, but he would also just leave out bullets all around their place for the five-year-old could easily get to it. I genuinely don't know if he didn't care I mean, I imagine he didn't care, or if he thought it was cool, or if he thought that's what Scarface would do, so I must do it. I really don't know, because I just cannot comprehend someone's thought process like that. There is no doubt that Anna was a victim of an abusive relationship, but for a while there, she was able to kind of hide it and mask it. And this is kind of why I don't like the take that like, oh, you don't really know what's going on on social media. I get why some people say it, but the undertone to that kind of conversation makes it feel like Anna wanted to be the perfect relationship on TikTok. I don't think that she was faking it. I think that just most domestic violence victims mask the abuse. That's Mm. just fame or not. You don't want your friends or others to worry about you. You don't want to be embarrassed. And a big part of it is you probably feel like it's your fault. You probably feel like you did something wrong. Mm. So why would you want people to know that? There are a few incidents of reported domestic violence, though. A neighbor reported Anna had knocked on their door asking to use their phone to call the police. She allegedly stated that Ali had hit her and taken her phone so that she could not call the police herself. The police showed up, but he wasn't arrested. Which is kind of interesting because later one of the police would even tell multiple news stations that they had been called to the unit multiple times. I think in the three months leading up to the murders, there had been nine calls to their apartment in the span of three months. Wow. Ali was never arrested. That's almost like once a week. Yeah, what's their explanation? I don't know. Maybe both of them were like, hey, it's not a big deal. Like we were just fighting. It's very interesting why they didn't do anything. Now, October 18th, 2021, Anna had reached her tipping point. Ali had been yelling at her on live streams, accusing her of being a bad mother and blaming her for his drug use. Okay, let me explain. So this guy goes on live to do a line of cocaine. Yes, he did a line of cocaine on live. He's losing it, Yeah, people didn't know if it was a skit. They were like, oh, maybe that's fake cocaine. But the way that he was acting was so unhinged and erratic. They were like, that has got to be real. Like, there is no way. He later apologized, but instead of taking accountability for his own actions because you're a grown adult, he starts blaming his wife. He starts blaming Anna. He said that he was just so stressed from watching their child all the time because his wife is always out partying. He would get on live and call Anna a bitch. He would talk about how he moved her to San Diego. 
Those were the words he used. He did this for her and all she wanted to do was hang out with her friends. He alleged that her friends were bad influences and he said that he loved his wife but all of her friends were people who cheated on their husbands and their boyfriends and just nasty. He allegedly even said, and this is really gross, but he said to Anna, you're not even a U.S. citizen. I moved you here. Name one other guy that would do that for you. He's giving those people so insecure. So he will talk about anything that make himself seem bigger, right? Yeah. The gun, the follower counts, the follower comments and, and the citizenship. citizenship. So anything to make himself feel that's come from like someone who's so inferior. Yeah, yeah. like this is he keep mentioning these things. And it's just, I mean, I think the fact that he even used citizenship as like a way to try and wield power over her is so bizarre. Yeah. I've never seen that in a relationship. Like that is, I mean, to even yeah. make her potentially maybe even fear deportation or things like that. That's very scary. And I don't know her residential status, but the fact that he was the type of guy to use it against her just tells me everything I need to know about this guy. So Anna is over it. She's done. Her tipping point was when he showed their daughter a loaded gun and let her hold it. He also started abusing her in front of her daughter. And that was kind of like the final straw for Anna. She kicked him out of their apartment. Ali moved into a motel. And Anna was planning on filing for a restraining order and filing for divorce. So soon to be ex-wife. Now, Anna was emotionally and mentally over it. Like, she had cut these ties with Ali long before she actually kicked him out. So she had already moved on. And now this was just the action of like, okay, physically, I'm going to separate myself from you and we're going to go through the process. She was done with him. She did everything right. He abused her. He was toxic. And now that was being shown and traumatizing their daughter. She's not going to stand for it. There's no way she's taking him back. By the time that she kicked him out, she was completely over their relationship and ready to move on. Ali was not on the same page. The minute that he was kicked out, I think that he realized that he had messed up a little bit, but he was adamant. He genuinely thought, well, Anna's going to take me back. It's She's going to take me back, of course. He didn't even realize that the falling apart of their relationship was his fault. He would talk to his cousin and whine about it, and he would blow up Anna's phone begging for her to come back. He would blow up Anna's friend's phone demanding that they ask her to call him back. And the more that she's not responding, the more he starts spiraling. Maybe in his head, he felt like he was Tony Montana in a spy movie. And I'm not saying that to um, say that he was having a psychotic break or that he was, he complete insanity. That's not what I'm saying. But maybe he thought he was in like a spy movie because what he does next, I don't even know how to describe it. He made a copy of the apartment key. He takes his daughter's iPad, installs some sort of spyware app. Uh, most people think it's some sort of baby monitoring cam system. He goes into Anna's home, trashes the entire place, destroys everything, rips things apart, throws things around, throws dishes on the floor. There's broken glass everywhere, flipping chairs, pulling down shelves. He was so angry with Anna for being her own individual, for being someone that he couldn't control. He channeled all of that rage into this apartment. And what's crazy is even after this, he felt like Anna was going to come back to him so he trashes the place slips the daughter's ipad underneath anna's bed and walks out this was the beginning of his rage and his revenge he wanted her to be as upset and as uncomfortable as he currently was so when you're going through a divorce i think it's natural to want to surround yourself with happy people you know with friends that make you feel positive and i feel like that's how you move on rayburn baron was that kind of person for anna 
We don't know the extent of their friendship or exactly how they met or how close they were when all of this went down, but everyone who knew Rayburn said, he's just the type of guy that you would want in your corner. Like he was genuinely so happy. He literally loved to laugh. He just had this very contagious energy about him. I mean, why would you not want a person like that in your life when you're going through a dark time or just like in general? Like he's the type of friend that makes it so much easier to see the light at the end of the tunnel because he's like holding a flashlight down the tunnel for you. That's Rayburn. I mean, I could see why anyone wanted to be friends with him. He was 29. Anna was 28. And a little bit more about him. He was born in Mexico, dedicated to his family. People said he was the glue of the family. Like, you know, all those people that have like the extended family parties and these birthday parties. He was the one that was organizing it. He was the one that was like, okay, I'm going to facilitate everything. At parties, if you were feeling shy, he would bring you and introduce you to everyone and maintain conversations with you. That was Rayburn. Now, that day in October, Anna had invited him to her place while her daughter was at school. October 21st, 2021. This is like 2 p.m. Anna's neighbor's camera caught them walking into their apartment. It's believed that Ali knew Rayburn. He was somewhat of a mutual friend, but he was probably closer to Anna than Ali. Either way, Ali's hidden camera heard the two of them enter the apartment, and he heard them giggling, talking. The neighbor's nest camera caught Ollie pass through the hallway towards Anna's unit not too long after. The mic picks up six gunshots and a man screaming, Anna, Anna, Anna. Later, both Anna and Rayburn would be found with gunshots to their head and upper bodies. The next thing that we know for sure that happened was the 911 call. The call itself has not been released since the case is still ongoing, but it's been confirmed that Ollie was the one who called the police. So six gunshots were heard from the apartment after Ollie was seen running into the apartment. Then he dials 911 and tells them that he came home to find his wife dead on the couch next to her friend and they had been both been shot. The operator asks him to stay on the scene and wait for the police to arrive, but he says, no, I can't. I gotta go. He hangs up the phone. He goes to his daughter's school around 3 p.m. and picks her up early. It's not time for her to be dismissed from class yet. We don't know if the teacher or the office worker's statements or what they said to the police. We don't know if he looked or acted strange. There's a possibility that his clothes didn't have any blood on them. There's a possibility that he was a good enough actor that they didn't notice anything strange. Or even if they did, what are you going to say? No, dad, you can't take your own child. But this is the chilling part. He carries his five-year-old daughter out of her elementary school, buckles her into the car seat in the same car with his handgun that he had just allegedly used. I would not want to imagine what riding in a car with the person and the weapon that just killed your mother could do to like a five-year-old's mind when they grow up. Allegedly, Ali confessed everything to his daughter in the car that day. It's said that he didn't go into specifics with her, but he did say, daddy hurt mommy. Then, allegedly, he called his own mom to tell her everything that happened in more specific terms. Keep in mind, his daughter is in the back seat. So if he did really, in fact, call his mom and confess to murdering his wife, his daughter heard it all. I don't know what that does to their yeah. brain, right? For me and you, it would be terrifying. Yeah. So I don't even know how would a five-year-old process that. I feel like... You don't really know until they get older, right? True, yeah. Because I feel like when you're five, maybe you don't understand the impact of it. And then you grow up and then you're like, oh my God, what did I hear that day? So if he really did call his mom, I mean, that's terrifying. Five-year-olds may not know right then and there what death is, but they can recognize death. They can recognize when they're in a scary situation. And I can't even begin to imagine what sort of confusion and fear that little girl was going through. 
So he's on the highway heading out of San Diego while he's talking to his daughter and his mom. Meanwhile, the police go to the scene at the East Village apartment and immediately they did a system check on Anna's husband. They ran his phone number through the system. He had used his phone to call the police, so it was very easy to get his number. They sent out a bolo, be on the lookout, for his license plate and car. Police caught him on the highway. They had a very rough time. Okay, it wasn't that rough, but they had to be very, very sensitive to pulling him over because he was with a loaded weapon. He had a five-year-old in the car. They had no idea what he was going to do. They did pull him over eventually, and he he was calmly arrested, peacefully arrested. But there were like six entire police vans lined up around his Jeep. So I don't think that he had really much of a choice than to be peacefully arrested. So they take him into custody and they immediately charge him with double homicide. They send him to jail, wait for the pretrial hearings, and Ollie pleads not guilty. Despite video evidence that he was seen in and out of that hallway, the audio evidence of the gunshots, his mother's story, his mother even came out to the police and was like, yeah, he confessed to everything. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. All of that, he pled not guilty. In custody, Ali starts spinning a whole new tale about what happened. He stated that he was minding his own business. He happened to walk into the apartment for whatever reason. I mean, it's they still share a child, so I guess it's not entirely unreasonable, right? But he said, I saw with my own two eyes, my wife and her friend were dead on the couch. The couch that I paid for in the apartment that I pay for. He was worried about their daughter's safety. He didn't know where she was. He called 911 and he said that he couldn't stay because he needed to go check up on his daughter. He went to the school and guess what? His daughter was there. He put her in the car and started driving her to the safest place that he could think of, which was an uncle's house outside of San Diego. He wasn't on the run. He didn't do anything. It's a wild story. For a while, that's about all he said. His lawyer told him, you know what? Stick to that story, okay? Stick to it. Don't say anything else. That's all you need to say. Ali does not follow his lawyer's advice. So after cases like this, news stations come like piranhas. 
looking for a bite of the story. Journalists, reporters, news stations, they're like, mm, I can smell blood in the waters. So Kelsey, a reporter from Fox 5, reached out and told them that, you know, we'd like to do a prison interview with you or a jail interview with you, basically. She was shocked to hear back from Ali. She said, we usually don't hear from folks awaiting trial often because you're awaiting trial. Why would you want to do that? I wrote to him and said, hey, we're doing a story on what happened. If you'd like to talk to us, we'd love to hear from you. He called us back. We were really surprised. I asked him at the end of the interview, and it's it a very long interview, 45 minutes, and I said, does your lawyer know that you're speaking with us? Yeah. Well, what did she say about that? She told me not to talk to you. Okay, so then why did you choose to talk to us if that's against the legal advice? I wanted to get my side out. Now, this Fox interview is one of the most unhinged things you will hear to date. The video is up and posted on Fox 5's website, but you cannot see it outside the US uh, if you, without a VPN. I'm gonna attach a few video clips here, but if you're listening to the audio, the whole interview, strange. I don't know a better word for it. Ollie's tone switches from calm and collected to loud and passionate and angry at the switch of a button. He slaps the jailhouse table to accentuate his sentences when he's angry and he's gripping. So he's like on the jail telephone with the pexiglass in front of him. And he's like gripping the phone so hard that you can see sweat on his hands. I mean, he's crying during the interview at one point. He rarely breaks eye contact with the reporter, but it comes off very unsettling. It doesn't come off as he's engaged and being honest. It comes off just like, whoa, what's going on? He moves his eyebrows a lot. I mean, so do I, but I'm just saying it almost feels like he's acting. Like the way he's so expressive for every statement feels a little weird. It feels like an audition, honestly. I mean, this could just be my biased opinion after knowing some of the case details, but I just don't know how I would interpret his body language if I saw this video with no context. Let me know in the comments what you think, but let me break down the interview for you. The reporter just straight up asks Ali if he killed Anna, and he responds, don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. You know, I was listening to the house on the iPad. So when you heard Rayburn's voice, I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who he was. But what were you thinking? I was freaking out. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. I was freaking out. I caught her. Oh my God. Oh my God. She, she brought a man and that that's a man. And then guess what I hear? Like, like a fucking nightmare. R&B music. And he's like banging his hand on the table and he's screaming. I'm driving and I'm like screaming, don't have sex, Anna. Don't have sex, Anna. Don't do it. And I'm screaming. As you're driving to the apartment, as I'm driving, I'm screaming, I'm crying. I'm like, don't do it. What happens when you get to the apartment? I, I go up and I see them. What do you think? They, they nothing. I didn't see any. I didn't see anything. I don't. I don't know. It's a blur. I felt like I was in the passenger seat of my whole body when they opened the door. I saw what it was, and it just fucking broke my heart. He's like literally shaking with what I presume to be rage at this point, and I see her kissing Ray on my couch with his feet on my table with my wife, my money, my apartment, my life. Yeah, you just caught it. I'm so confused. So he's saying they're alive now? Yeah, so he told the police that they were dead when he walked in. And now he's saying he caught them kissing. Oh, wow. So he's actually mad mad at that point. He just spilled it all out. There's a couple different interpretations. Some people think that he is a raging narcissist with no control over his emotions. I would say that's a bigger majority of what people think. Some people think that he's trying to get some five seconds of fame. I don't know if I believe that one. Or the last one, people think that he's trying to portray himself as so unhinged 
that he can work some sort of deal. I doubt it. Like, I, it's just yeah. so dumb. Yeah, I can see the first scenario because yeah, it, I, it, it really reminds me of that kind of personality type of people. Yeah, I think there's not that many out there. But you'd be surprised when you meet someone who genuinely, even for their own good, cannot keep their emotion in check. Yeah, yeah. Like they just have these outbursts, right? And he's screaming, my daughter sleeps in the furniture that I put together. What do you expect a man to feel? Happy? And almost in a mocking tone, he goes, well, I guess that's the end of my marriage. I never admitted anything. Police say they have evidence against me. I don't know what it is. So the prosecution says that you admitted to your mother that you did this, and then you pled not guilty. Can you explain that? Uh, No, I can't. I can't. The journalist switched tactics and asked him about his daughter. Why did you pick her up? I picked her up? From school. Why did you pick up your daughter from school? And like right there, again, this is my personal opinion, it kind of looks like he's acting. Um... So the whole time he's looking at the journalist, he's, he acts like the camera isn't there, which is interesting because you're literally on camera. He's dead focused on the interviewer's eyes. And the minute that he's kind of taken off guard by this question, he glances at the camera for a brief second. And that to me kind of reminds me of someone when, you know, like if someone lies and you know that that's a lie, they kind of glance at you to see if you caught them or like to, to, to try and just like analyze you maybe. It's like a split second. He just glances at the camera. And it's just so strange. He continues and says, well, I picked her up because I thought it was safer. So how did he explain that they're dead again? So now the reporter asks again, did you know what happened to your wife and Rayburn? About what? Your wife being shot. I'm the one who called the police. I reported it. I found them. When I found them, my first instinct was to go get my daughter for her safety, to drop her off at a safe location. I wasn't running away. I wasn't doing anything. I have nothing to hide. What happened when you found them? Without breaking eye contact, Ollie laughs and shakes his head. No? Are you shaking your head no? No. Huh? Yeah, he's just like, ha <laughs> And she's like, no, are you, are you saying no? Like, you don't want to answer the question, no? And he's like, no. The next part of the interview feels like the only genuine part. He says, I miss making my videos. I miss everything. It's my craft. It's my baby. I love what I do. I wanted to be an actor. And I was right there. I was right there the weekend before all this happened. I was in LA at the comedy store. I was talking to producers. I was about to have a talent agent. I was right there. Ali, your family says that your social media fame changed you. They say that you were doing cocaine and you didn't really care about any consequences. Nope. Are they right? That's false. My family doesn't know anything because they never cared about me. Do you think that made you snap? Do you think cocaine changed you? Now remember, he's basically denying that he does cocaine. And then he's like, yeah, it messed with my brain. It made me violent. It made me like aggressive, you know, when I'm on it. Yeah. Were you feeling any remorse about the situation? Are you kidding me? I'm broken. I'm devastated. I lost my wife. My goal was to just try and get a hold of my family. It was slipping through my fingers. I lost. I'm the loser here. I lost. I lost. I lost the love of my life. I lost the love of my life. Everybody I reached out to when I was going through this problem, when I couldn't get a hold of Anna, they were like, dude, you gotta leave her. You gotta leave her. I know I gotta leave her, but I don't wanna leave her. Dude, you're so handsome. You're so famous on the internet. You could get any model. I know. I know I can. But I don't want to. I want my wife. Could anyone else have Anna? 
not while she was married to me. So to recap, he just really screws himself over in the weirdest ways in this interview. I don't even know why he did this interview. He went against his lawyer's wishes. He's contradicting himself left, right, and center. It just... I mean, it was a very unsettling. Everything about it was just very strange. He did not act or behave like a normal human. And I'm not saying he's a normal human because obviously normal humans don't do that. But his behavior was very unhinged. Not like in the insane way where I think he should plead insanity, but just very strange. So the question is, were they dead or were they alive and making out? We don't know. Now, I just want to make it clear, we have no evidence that Anna was cheating. Prosecutors actually believe that Ollie thought Anna was cheating on him long before the murder occurred. That is just the speculation, and that is something that a lot of abusive people do. They constantly accuse their partner of cheating, even though they don't even have the opportunity to cheat. And another thing, I almost don't even want to mention it, but in the interview, he blames Anna for their troubles. He said that after moving to San Diego, all Anna cared about was, and he says this, Taco Tuesday, Woman Wednesday, Party Sunday, Bar Sunday. He said that she partied too much and tries to paint her as this horrible mom. As far as we know, that is literally not what happened at all. She was a great mom and Rayburn was just a mutual friend of both Ollie and Anna. She had kicked him out of the house. She was done. She was filing for divorce. She had every right to just do whatever she wanted. She was a full-grown adult. But he ransacked their family home that she was living in, bugged the apartment. I mean, she could have very well just have asked Rayburn over for some emotional support because of everything that she was going through. And even if she did cheat, who cares? There is like no reason to murder someone. Ali was charged with double homicide and sent to jail to await trial. Each first degree murder charge could land him 25 years to life in prison. But um, considering the circumstances of the murder, he could potentially be looking at the death penalty. I will say I feel like that will be highly unlikely since California hasn't executed someone since like 2005, 2006. But the, there is a chance that he is facing the death penalty. Now, during the preliminary hearings, Ali continued to cause a scene. Of course he did. But uh, let's first talk about the prosecutor's theory that was discussed. So I'm not saying that this is what happened since the verdict has not been passed. But prosecutors believe that Ali rushes to the house. He had his gun. He was filled with rage. And he opened the door with the key that he had and saw them on the couch together and shot both of them. Three bullets were shot at Ray that entered his neck, chest, and back of his head at close range. And then he shot his soon-to-be ex-wife in the forehead, allegedly executioner style. Then as quickly as he came, he left while calling the police to report their bodies. Now, at one point while he's listening to the prosecution discuss what evidence they have against him, Ollie stands up in his handcuffs and he shouts, I can't do this, I can't do this. The judge looks over at him and he says, Mr. Abulaban? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, this is news to me. This is really hard to take. Mr. Abulaban, we can't have any outbursts and I'm not going to allow you to speak. My apologies. But then later, when a different law enforcement officer is on the stand telling the judge what Ali said to them, he goes, you think I wanted this? You think I wanted this for my fucking daughter? You think I wanted it? Two court security officers walk over and place their hands on his shoulders, almost as a warning. And he goes, who the fuck are you? Mr. Abulaban, Mr. Abulaban, I need you to stop. My life is destroyed. 
The judge calls for a recess, and when the court gets back together, a technician took the stand to analyze the autopsy photos of Anna and Rayburn. While he is talking, Ollie lays his head down on the table and he starts sobbing. And what's really infuriating about this is that when he wasn't putting on a show, when he wasn't screaming out in pain, if he heard the family's victims cry, he would just kind of glance over and just have like straight face. It's like, okay, the attention's not on me right now, is the vibe. So when they're showing the autopsy photos, he's sobbing, my baby, my baby. And then someone from the audience screams back and we later find out it's two victims' family members. I can't even imagine what they're feeling right now as he's having this outburst. Like, you killed Anna. What do you mean your baby? You are the reason that she is gone. You are the reason they are gone. So one of their family members stands up and screams, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Fuck you. Seriously. But this is where people are mad. The judge asks them to leave the courtroom. Netizens wrote, the judge admonishes the victim's family members yet does not come down hard on the monster. They should not be the ones told to leave. But in the end, the judge ruled that there was enough evidence to try Ali and has set his jury trial date later in September. He's still in the trial process, so no verdict has been announced. Ollie's TikTok account has been suspended, but his bio was available on Instagram, and it did say for a brief moment, hashtag I'll be back. That is gone now, because can you imagine? And this is the worst part. There was a little bit of support for Ollie online. Comments were saying, free Jin kid. They were saying, I feel bad for him. He had great potential, and his wife really screwed him over. People said, I would also lose my mind if my wife did that to me. Some people were even, like, they didn't necessarily support him, but they were very generous. They wrote things like, wasted talent. He was a good one. I think he just took the character a little too far. That's what not what happened. So you think every actor and actress that plays a villain or a killer on TV or parodies, he's not even an actor. See, with this one, I don't even think it has anything to do with what he played. This is him. I think he so just too. got some fame and some power and then it showed. It amplified yes, who he was. Yes. He's more controlling than ever mm-hmm. and more obsessive over his power and Yeah, these are like the same types of people that are like, I would kill my family to protect my family. And they don't see the problem in that. And you're like, what? How do you not see that? Do you just have like a really thick skull? That doesn't even make sense logically. I think those are these people. People were justifying, yeah, I mean, she was cheating. There's not even evidence that she was cheating. And so what? Someone, this this comment infuriated me. Men don't process feelings like women do. So you can't blame him for having this outburst. According to this comment, then we should just put all men in daycare. They need supervisors, guardians with them. They should not be able to open bank accounts because they can't like process emotions or thoughts or anything really. I will say most of the internet is not like that, thankfully. There are a lot of supportive comments for Anna, Rayburn, and their families, and it just completely drowns out the negative ones. Anna's family had a GoFundMe up for her afterwards, and they just wanted to bring their baby back home to the Philippines so that she could be buried in her hometown, her childhood home. They reached their goal of $20,000, and Anna's mom was able to fly to the U.S. and bring Anna home. And Rayburn's family also had a GoFundMe and they said that they were just raising money for his funeral, but they didn't want to call it a funeral. It was his celebration of life. They too passed their GoFundMe goal. And as for Anna's daughter, as of right now, she's about seven years old. She's currently staying with family members. Ollie's cousin, Louis, said, 
you know, I'm really hurting for that girl because I know that her life will never be the same again. Someone is going to have to explain this to her someday and it's going to be one of the hardest things that someone is going to have to do. And it's tough. It's going to be tough. Look, I know the trial isn't over. The verdict hasn't been passed. But I do hope that if he is found guilty of the charges, I hope that he gets a punishment that's going to bring peace to the families of the victims. I think the worst part, though, about this case, like the very disheartening thing, is an average, uh, on average, nearly 24 people per minute are physically abused, stalked, or assaulted by an intimate partner in the U.S. alone. I imagine on a global scale, the number is unthinkable. And that's every single minute. And Ali is just one of the many, many terrifying abusers out there. So please, if you are watching this, and if you feel any similarities in your relationship, reach out to someone you trust. Reach out to the resources that are available online, over the phone. They're going to be linked. And like I said, delete your call history. Delete that internet browser history. And please, please be safe. And I'm going to see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode. Bye.